For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And welcome back into the third and final hour as we are broadcasting live from Duke's Bakery in Fall River, right in the Commonwealth Landing Building, right off the 79. to get to. Come on by and enjoy something delicious. And everything here is gluten free, including these amazing chocolate chip pancakes that I've been snacking on. Uh, and if you want to come on down here, uh, we'll be here until noon. I'll have an open mic if you want to join in. If you can't come down and join in on an open mic, you can call in 508-996-0500. You can also hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. Uh, but remember, at noon today, right as the show is ending, we will have a Seize the Deal that will go live at SeizeTheDeal.com for you to get $20 to Duke's Bakery for just 10 bucks. So you can get a lot for $20 here and you can pay just $10 to do so. So SeizeTheDeal.com, that is the place to go. And we'll talk with Chris Holden in a little bit about everything here at Duke's. But uh, until then, the phone lines are open at 508-996-0500. And we've been getting a lot of interaction, at least in the first hour we were. And, uh, of course, me stuck not being able to use the phones for a little bit. But now we've got that problem solved. Uh, Sometimes when we do these things remotely, there's there's some issues. Uh, I looked at, when I saw the weather today, I said, I know there's going to be some internet problems. I just know it. And, of course, we had some. But we fight our way through it, and we still are able to bring you the program. And I love going out and being on the road. We look forward to doing it more. And uh, we look forward to getting out to some of your favorite places. And always, of course, bringing you a great deal at SeizeTheDeal.com in conjunction with that. So we were talking in the first hour about the interview that we had yesterday with Alia Cozzolito and Bella Doyle. They came on to talk about uh, some of the issues that have been discussed about their school, about Old Rochester High School, uh, that they weren't really, we weren't really hearing the students' perspectives on this. And, and again, you know, if there are students that are a part of the ORR school system, uh, that are at ORR High School, who feel differently, that who feel that uh, what Bella and Alia were saying don't represent their thoughts and feelings in, 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 a, in a group of their peers, reach out to me. I mean, we're probably going to have to do the same process. Get permission from your parents for you to, to appear on the radio, and you'll have to come down and pre-record it because I, I can't bother you while you're supposed to be in school. But we can certainly hear both sides of the issue because that's what we try to do here. And that's what this radio station is all about is being able to present listen we've got a lot of time to fill here (laughs) we've got a lot of local hours in the day and some days it feels like 
You know, there's way too much to cover, but I promise you, we can always carve out some time to cover the topics that matter to you and to hear from the people that you want to hear from. Uh, that's why we try to have, I try to have regular scheduled segments with the city council president and with Mayor Mitchell. And, and by the way, if he decides not to run, somebody else runs, whoever the next mayor is, we're going to extend them that same uh, opportunity as well. And then, of course, I have Jack Spillane come on on Mondays to kind of balance that out and offer some, some different perspective. And, uh, and, and, and Jack, I'm sure, you know, if you were listening to, to Council President Moore added, I know she took a couple of, couple of shots at you there. Um, just, just know that I, I stayed out of it. I wasn't... I know you didn't need me to come rushing to your defense. You will have a chance to respond on Monday for sure. Um, he'll also be a guest, by the way, too, this week on Town Square Sunday. But that's, what, that's why I thought it was important to have the students on, and that's why I, I bring up these topics, because when you hear it discussed so much on the other programs and it comes from a certain perspective, I usually have a different point of view. Now, I will tell you, and I've said this before, uh, you know, Joe Pyers, when he was on with uh, with Phil this morning, he mentioned that there is a letter that was put out by two parents about there being a possible violation of the, I, I forget what section it was. I could look it up. I, I have a copy of it. Um, but basically, it's a, it's a rule that says that if books are donated to the school, then the school committee has to vote whether to accept to put them into circulation. So if that rule was supposed to be followed and it wasn't, well, then I fully support pulling the books out, putting it to a vote. Well, I don't know if you necessarily have to put, pull the books out first. Put it to a vote, see what, the, see what the school committee decides, and then if the school committee decides not to put them in the school, then you can take them out. Then if the school decides it's an important part of the curriculum, they can try and acquire the books through a purchase. But I think I'm getting the sense that most people, no matter which side they fall on it, they would like to see the process take place. What I want to just be wary of and, and make you wary of is that the, um, the way it's being presented isn't entirely accurate. So it's being presented as these books were donated. And by the way, the donated books, I don't, I don't know exactly how genderqueer, the book genderqueer ended up in the library. I don't know if that was a donation or if that was a purchase. I'm not sure. The, I haven't heard back yet from the librarian. But I do know that the books that some feel are racially divisive, those were donated by parents, some of whom later formed Tritown Against Racism. So we got the statement from Rhonda Baptiste yesterday. We read it on the air. I still have it. I could read it again, but I don't think we need to. I can summarize it. And basically what it says is that those books were donated in 2020 prior to the formation of Tritown Against Racism. So to say that it was this group that has an agenda that donated these books isn't entirely accurate. They were parental donations. And I would hope that if they're going to have a hearing before the school committee on whether or not to allow those books to stay based on this, this, uh, this clause or this, this, this requirement, this statute about them being donated, I would hope if they're going to go through that process that they would be properly represented as such, that they were donated by parents, not by a group. 
the group did not exist when the books were donated. So that's an important thing. Because otherwise what happens is it gets tied up in, you know, the, this, this uh, portrait, this, this picture they're trying to paint that uh, TTAR is a Black Lives Matter arm and, you know, they get wrapped up in the political pushes of that group and it gets characterized as basically, you know, this group is the ones that are trying to put these books into your school. And I think that that elicits a response from people that isn't, isn't a fair way to look at it. This is other parents of children in the school system who said we should have these books available in the school. So that's what I would hope the school committee is looking at it as and when they would make that vote, if they do make that vote, to say this isn't a group pushing it, this is a group of parents that donated it who later formed a group. So just a very key differentiation. 508-996-0500 or hit me up on App Chat on the WBSM app. Um, I'm trying to think of the other, just a couple of the other things that came up this morning if there's, you know, clarifications to some of them or, you know, just kind of a way, because I think it's just been a little bit oversimplified in some cases. And I mean, and that's the thing. This is a, this is a difficult topic. This is a difficult thing. And, and if, I don't support there not being a book in any school library. I would never want to see any book taken out. You know, the Satanic Cookbook, <laughs> uh, some of these books that are deemed dangerous, that might be up for a different discussion. You know, if there's a book in, in the school that tells a kid how to make a bomb, we probably shouldn't put that in the school library. Um, that should be something that is restricted access for that for sure because that is uh, putting the public in danger somebody a book about somebody's sexual orientation or gender identity isn't really putting anybody in danger no matter what they will tell you those who oppose it no matter what they will tell you um, nobody has ever picked up a book read it and then then decide to turn gay reading the book will not make you gay reading the book will not make you want to become transgender it's just a book and you know part of the conversation that Barry kept bringing up yesterday in in the the bit of a show that I heard was well but they don't allow the Bible to be in school and, and if you ask me I wouldn't be opposed to having the Bible and other religious texts available in a reference section in the library I wouldn't be opposed to that because as such, you know, it could be something that, that matters to somebody. I would have an objection to there being a course on it or an assignment based on it in public school. But I think having access to the book wouldn't be an issue. And I, I don't know, I don't know exactly if that's the case because I do believe the first time that I ever cracked open a Bible and looked at it it was in a school library but it could have just been you know that particular school I don't know maybe somebody brought it in and it wasn't supposed to be there um, but I would not uh, to me having the book in the library as a reference material as something somebody could read if they chose to I'd be all for that
And if and also if if this if this book Gender Queer was being assigned in classrooms and they were forcing students to have to write a paper on it, if that student felt uncomfortable, I would be against that. Now there's there's going to be some uncomfort level in some books anyway. And I talk, when I was talking with, with Alia and Bella, Alia had mentioned that you know she felt uncomfortable with a book that was being assigned and, and that she walked out of that particular class. And, and Barry wanted to know what that book was, and he wanted to make a big deal out of it. And, and, to, and as I was discussing it with him in the crossover, I said, I don't, I don't know why that matters. What does that matter? Because whatever the book is, she's not calling for it to be removed from the school library because she doesn't agree with it. She's fine with it being in the school library. She's fine with it being assigned by the classroom. She just doesn't want to take part in the study of that book. And the teacher is accommodating that. That's different than saying, I don't think that book should be in the library at all. And if you can't see the difference between the two, then you're not listening. It's like it's like there's this this uh, this feeling that every day, every at the beginning of every school year, when the new class comes in, and they hand them out the handbook that they have to follow. I don't think they do that anymore. I don't think they give you a physical handbook. They probably have you acknowledge it online and sign it. But when they give you that material, that orientation material, you're gonna get you know the school handbook, the use of school rules, the school dress code, and also here's gender queer. Like that's not what's happening. It's a book on the shelf. They probably only have one copy of the book. It's a book on the shelf that is there for people to read if they want to. The bathroom situation. There are gender neutral bathrooms if somebody feels uncomfortable going into the bathroom with whoever else may be in there. And I'm gonna tell you, if you've ever been in a school bathroom, I think the transgender kids are the least of what you need to be concerned about in terms of the activity that goes on in the bathrooms. Some kids go in there and they get beat up. Some kids go in there and they're vaping or smoking worse than that. So they have the you know, gender neutral, single use, however, whatever they want to term, term it as, they have these bathrooms that are just a single room with a toilet and a sink and a door that locks. And anybody who wants to use that can use it. So as far as I'm concerned, the bathroom issue is a non-issue. It is something that is just being propped up as another talking point in an attack on what they think is the wokeness of the school system. And that's not the case at all. There are accommodations for both sides. Nobody is being chosen over somebody else. And also, I kind of like I'd like to I'd like to take everybody at face value when they say you know those girls did a great job and and again I don't know necessarily um, what gender Alia identifies with um, if if her dad is listening you can you can let me know in app chat but you know the two students that came in everyone keeps saying that they did a good job that they did a great job and I'm wondering how many people are how many people really feel that way you know you, you can say that they're passionate about what it is that they're saying 
and you can sense that passion, you can hear, but were you listening? That's what I really care about. Were you listening? It's not about how they presented themselves. It's about whether or not that message made it into your ears. Normally, I can speak pretty well. Sometimes I, f I flub and I say, you know, I st stumble over some words or something, but normally I can speak. But I can also talk for a good amount of time without saying anything of any value or anything that people are going to hear that's going to resonate with them. I hope that what you heard in those conversations, as you were saying what a great job those students did, that it resonated with you. Whether you agree with it or not, I'm not asking you that, I'm not saying you have to agree with it because you heard it. I'm just saying make sure that it's sunk in and that you realized what that perspective is. Because when you're fighting against these things, there is a, a human face to it. Uh, let me go and read this ridiculous app chat message that just came in, and then I'll go right to the call. This comes from HT in New Bedford. So what do you do, and again, this, this relates to the book Gender Queer. So what do you do when the 15-year-old wants to go to the amazing porn shop next door to pick up a belt with a sexual aid on it attached to it uh, that they're learning in the book? Do you allow them that opportunity also? Yeah, well, that's a stupid question, and I'll tell you why. One, because that store automatically doesn't let you in there if you're 15 years old, so they can't go into the store and buy something. Uh, two, if they wanted to get said item, they'll get it anyway. They're going to go on Amazon and order it, so it doesn't block their, their, their opportunity to get it. And C, their book, it, wait, did I say one, two, C? I probably did. You're automatically assuming that because they see it in the book, they're going to want to do it. Give kids some credit. And also, don't think that the book is the only way they're ever going to learn about it either. So, okay, I had to read Lord of the Flies when I was in school. Should Walmart take machetes off the shelf in case I want to go and grab one of those and, and take over my school and, and become leader and, and the Lord of the Flies myself? I mean, these, these, are the, the, these are the assumptions that you're making, right? Same assumption. Let's go to the phones. 508-996-0500. You are on WBSM. Hello. Tim, I did hear what the students had to say for themselves. And I, I believe I heard them basically say most students were unaware of these types of books being in the school until a fuss was made over it. And I believe I heard you say, if these kids want to access these types of inform informational, you know, literature, whatever you call it, they will, regardless of whether it's in the school or not. If they want it, they will get it. You said they'll order it on Amazon. I mean, I don't know, you know, if they have access to just order stuff on Amazon at, at that age. They but probably do, but whatever. I also think... Yeah. I also think people probably, you know, younger people probably look for things electronically more than they, they walk into a library and pull it out anyway. That's just my assumption based on my own child. You know, if I said, hey, you want to read this book? Uh, here, I'll, I'll lend you my copy of it. And he'll say, oh, no, I'll just, I'll just download it. So, I mean, I'm just basing that on, on the technology available. Right. So what I'm saying is if they have access to it anyway, and they're going to get it if they're interested in finding out about that anyway, and most of them weren't aware that it was in the library until it was brought to their attention, you know, from the controversy anyways, 
then I still don't see why you're so insistent that it's really, really crucial for these kids to have it in the library if, by your own admission, they're going to find it anyway. So if it's because such a I don't agree with you thing, that it shouldn't be in the library, that's why. Say that again, please. Because I don't agree with that it shouldn't be in the library. Right, but if you're saying they have access to it anywhere else, and it's so con- clearly it's controversial for some of the taxpayers to be providing these things. I mean, to me, that's almost like, I know it's a different situation, but it's almost like saying kids that want alcohol are going to get it anyways. Therefore, why? Do- and some people find that detrimental to their health, and some people find confusing literature de- detrimental to their health. So I'm just saying, well, first just, of all, just listen there's to taxpayers this for a while. There's... Should they start serving shots of alcohol with lunch, figuring, hey, they're going to get it if they want anyway. They're going to bring yeah, nips so into just, school. Let's, let, let, I'm saying let's see that's how more, different. Hold on. Let's see how more ridiculous we can get with some of the analogies. So that's not ridiculous. Th- th- here, there's taxpayers who want to see that book in the school. So are you saying that those taxpayers' voices don't matter as much as the ones that don't? What I'm saying is we should have to consider a lot more deeply when things are controversial, can't there be access to them elsewhere? Even if they provide in school That's not the point. little handouts saying all of these things are after school in a separate area. But I, I just have a problem with, for myself, I have a problem with here's what is going to happen. And if you don't want it, your child has to opt out. I feel as though it should be more of an opt in. Do you want your kids to have this? Sign here and opt in. Why do parents have to feel as though things are going to be presented? To read the book because they don't know how to ask their parents about that situation. You're going to out the kid. Right. So you're saying it's permission slip. Right, and maybe there are certain subjects that parents want to address when they feel the time is right. You, uh, the whole conversation to me that I've heard from you over the weeks is school and children know what's better for themselves than their parents. And if their parents aren't ready to step up and give them what they want, they should be able to go get it elsewhere. And I think well, that's a complete You know what I've heard from you and other parents. people throughout the course of the week is the idea that a kid can't think for themselves and that whatever their parent thinks should be what the kid has to feel and that the school should have to bow to the will of a small amount of parents as opposed to trying to think what is the best thing, what is the best course of action for an entire community's worth of but students. But you're generally speaking, you sound as though you believe schools and minor children should know better than the parents. To me, that's a slippery slope. Government, schools, children should not ever, until they're 18, be allowed to make, like, for example, it it gets further along in some cases, and children, minor children, are allowed, against parents' will, to have um, treatments or, or even surgeries in some states without their parents' um, Which states? approval or even knowledge. Which states, so Which states allow somebody that... under 18 to, to have surgery without a parent's permission? Yeah. Which states? Which states? Tell me. Which states? California's pushing for that. They're saying they're basically like a sanctuary state, and it's dangerous. I mean, I, I had a niece who... Is, is that the law in California right now? Is that the law? I don't know yet if it's the law yet or if they're pushing for it, but they're basically hiding from parents information. And to me, that's extremely dangerous, not just because they push it as if you don't allow them to do this, they will commit suicide. But what you don't hear is 
after the transition, people think about, contemplate, attempt, and actually commit suicide much more often than you're hearing about. So it's not really a suicide preventative measure. It's not always. In fact, oftentimes you hear about people going for mental health situations or it's already too late. They've left notes and they're dead. Those are situations where that is being suppressed. The information about that isn't out there. And and just to me, just like like in, in general, children are not allowed to make just, you know, lifelong consequences, you know, decisions for themselves for a lot of reasons. So to there's me, a that's, between a that's 17 year old not, and a seven year old, though. It, 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 there's a difference between an 18 year old and some 18 to 23 year olds are not capable. But at least if they're adults in every other situation, they're not able to sign a contract and give consent. So to me, why are we allowing it when they are not? And, and let's face it, a lot of these things are experimental. We do not know the long-term consequences of interjecting in the middle of people's I've got other natural. Calls. I don't want to get. I don't want to get bogged down in all of all of. The right, but I'm just saying that those things are like, you know, Nuremberg trial stuff. Where you know you're always against stuff negative against Jewish people, but look what's happening today. It should be more astounding to you. Okay. Have a good day. Yeah. Uh, 508-996-0500. Uh, let's go to the next call. You're next on WBSM. Hey, Tim. How's it going? I'm just saying. Oh. How are you doing? How's it going? Sorry. Oh, um, I called actually to I wanted to uh, touch base on the, um, on the whole uh, mayor thing and with the council and all that, the conversation that you had earlier. Is it just me or are we getting two stories? Just wasn't it a week or two ago that the city council said that they worked great with the mayor and they had a great relationship and working relationship, so on and so forth? And that story was kind of dismissed behind the scenes from people who said that's that's just they're, they're just that's just trying to put out some good PR. Yeah, I got it. Because today they're saying that they don't know what's going on and that the mayor is kind of, so it's like. What's what's going on? One day they say, and even even if they wanted to put out, uh, you know, good PR, is that okay, or is it? Do you see that they're blatantly lying to the constituents' face? I mean, it's what it's what people who you know, political watchers like, like Jack Spillane, like Chris McCarthy, like Marcus Farrow, people who are really deep into this, and I'm sure Barry and Phil see it too. I just haven't heard them talk about it as much. Where. You know, you look at this and you realize, like, it, all is not well. They are definitely having issues. I mean, we had that time when the mayor was on and, and Councillor Gomes called in and the two of them went at it on the air. I mean, this is, there are problems and there are deep problems. There are deep resentments and, and, and deep issues uh, on both sides. And nobody really wants to be forthcoming enough to say what those issues are. But I think we're starting to see some of those cracks a little bit where it's going to have to get addressed sooner or later. Yeah, I'll be honest. It, it concerns me as a constituent because, again, it, we all know we're not stupid, but it's like they're pretending. So it's kind of lo- loses our trust. Like, we don't know what to believe. Are they saying this just to show face or, you know what I mean? It kind of throws me off. And regard, uh, regarding the, the conversation with the um, transgender and all that, like, I, 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 just, it, I just see it as another just scenario where... For example, it, I I connect it to a different situation, right? Like it's like, for example, you can go to war 
kids can go to war at 18 and put their lives at risk, so on and so forth, but they can't drink a beer until they're 21, right? Like, um, that's how I kind of see this in a sense. It's like, uh, I'm not even sure anymore because I know they just changed the age of buying cigarettes. But um, in terms of, like, quote-unquote pornography and, like, things like that, when can you, at what age can you purchase that stuff? Do you know? Uh, so you can purchase it at 20, at 18, but if you wanted to go, so you can purchase pornography at 18. If you wanted to go into a strip club, you have to be 21. Okay. So like, so you can, you can see it, you can watch it, but if you want to experience it, you got to be older. Yeah. And I'll, I, and I can't be honest with, I'll be honest with you. I didn't read the book. I, you know, I, nothing of that nature, but I'm just going by what I'm hearing that there's like images and it's graphics, so on and so forth. So like, Again, and just throwing it up, like, so it's, if it would be considered pornographic, what is it doing at, at a high school library when, like, the age is under the appropriate it, age? Because it, it, it really does depend on your definition of pornography, which, unfortunately, there is no real clear-cut definition of it. And what it is, is it is a depiction of two, at the time of the story, it is two characters who both are female, uh, you know, female at birth and, and identify as female, and they think that they, ha- they, you know, they have feelings for each other, and they're trying to figure out how they can express those feelings. They try out utilizing a device that has a belt and a fake male appendage. Um, I'm trying not to use the colloquial term. And they, one performs oral sex on the other utilizing that so there's no actual um organ involved in it and then they both decide that this is stupid we don't like this and that's kind of the point of it is like they felt like they were forced into having to do something and the point of the book is to say you don't have to do those things to have a relationship yeah gotcha like again just playing devil's advocate you have to throw it out like even when you were describing the, the the equipment right like if it wasn't so bad, why couldn't you just come out and just say the you know what it's really? Well, they don't called. use they don't use they don't use the word in the book either. The word itself is a little bit um, off color. There's a formal name for it that I just don't know, but everybody else calls it by a more colloquial name that I think would not be appropriate for people that are listening. Only because uh, this is public radio. Yeah, um, you know, public and radio. so so basically the argument is. It's informational versus pornogra- pornography, like the yeah, book. Yeah, it's not, it's, not, it's not designed to get anybody off. It's designed okay. to say this is something that they were trying because they felt these pressures and they realized they didn't have to have, have those pressures. i got to just hold you there, though. i got to take a break. Thank you yeah, for the call. No problem. Have a good day. Callers, hang on. We will try to get to you. i just I got to take a break. I want to be able to get Chris on to talk about the great things they do at Duke's, and then we can finish off with your phone calls. But i got to take a break right now. We'll be right back. New Bedford's News Talks. Casting live from Duke's Bakery in Fall River. Again, we're going to have a Seize the Deal going on sale for you at noon, which I think uh, you will definitely want to take advantage of. $20 to Dukes for just $10. Uh, Chris, we're going to talk about Dukes in just a second. I just want to read this app chat message real quick that came in. This comes from Dan in New Bedford. Can you just admit that there are more people against the subject of sexuality being taught in the schools than there are for it? For it? Sounds to me like the scales are tipping and being against it. Uh, please don't judge what you hear on talk radio, especially a talk radio station where a lot of the callers are predominantly cons- 
conservative, <clears throat> excuse me, don't take that as being uh, public sentiment across the board. Uh, I, I honestly think that more of the public wants to see sexuality taught in schools. Uh, parents want schools to be offering this because it keeps kids from finding out about it. I mean, they will anyway, but finding out about it on their own, and it allows them to have a healthy way to talk about it um, outside of the home as well. So uh, since, since they have you know, instituted some of this um, schooling, it has made a difference in teen pregnancy numbers, in teens getting sexually transmitted diseases, so it is a good thing. Anyway, just wanted to make that point. Uh, now let's talk food, Chris. <laughs> Chris Holden here from Duke's Bakery, and I was trying the uh, grass-fed beef burger here, uh, and that's, again, everything here is gluten-free, so you have a delicious gluten-free bun here that you're eating this I think that's a better bun than you'll get that has gluten in it. That's made in house. That is our own specialty recipe. That's really good, and it gives it it gives it a good texture that allows it to kind of let the flavor of the beef stand out too. Yes. So yep. I think you you know we've talked about this in the past, but I think what really draws people to Dukes is not the gluten free aspect of it. It's how good everything is, and it's just a benefit for a lot of folks that it yes. is gluten free. Yes, it's good in spite of being gluten-free. That's what a lot of people tell me. And so how do you decide what kind of things to create to offer to people? We listened to the, our customers and what they want, and we did some market research and noticed that in the area, a lot of um, late-night dinner places and lunch places were offering lunch with gluten-free, but nobody's really doing the breakfast market. So we decided to revamp our menu add waffles, the chicken and waffles, pancakes, omelets, bennies, um, all made to order to your dietary restriction that wasn't being addressed in the area. So, you know, it's called Duke's Bakery, but it's so much more because it's really a full service. Come in, have whatever you'd expect to have for breakfast. Yes, exactly. And what I like is that, you know, every time I've come here, I've never had the same thing twice, but I've had, you know, all of these great ideas that are twists of what you would expect to find somewhere else. So. As we said before, you can have chicken and waffles and make it gluten-free, and that would be something on, unto itself, but you come up with all these different ways of serving it as well. Yeah, uh, you know, everybody wants a little variety. You know, you, you want to go someplace, you love the chicken and waffles, but you want a couple of different offers. You, you know, you want omelets, but you want different offers in your omelet. We allow you to make it as you want any single time. Do you, do you ever sometimes, you know, come up with something and think to yourself, I don't know how this is going to go. Like, let's see how this goes, and then yes. see if it, if it works out. One of our, our great... Um, recipes like that is uh, making its presentation now. The Irish egg bowl. Okay, what's in it that? It is uh, our house-made corned beef, mm -hmm. um, home fries, eggs, sauerkraut, and Swiss cheese, all mixed together, and then layered with the Thousand Island dressing. Oh, so yeah, and I can see where you'd say like, I don't know how people are going to take this, but I yeah. bet you everybody that has it loves it. Yes, yes, it came out of the need for somebody wanting a Reuben, but didn't want the extra carbs. Mm -hmm. Um, but they wanted the white sweet potato cobs because it's a lower cob. So we do it with the home fries and the white sweet potato for the, that cob reason. And we made them a, a Reuben bowl. And I think people, you know, they, somebody might be diagnosed with celiac disease or something and realize they can't have gluten anymore. And they look at that and they say, oh, man, this is going to really have to change the way that I eat. And it just has to make you more aware of the way that you eat. But you don't have to lose the flavors and the meals that you like to have. You don't. You don't. Um, I mean... For some people, it is a drastic change if they're home cooking and they have to learn all new processes. But the typical person who eats out, you know, three to four times a week, they're, they're going to have some options in a lot of places they go now. What's the number one seller out of everything? The meals, the bakery stuff, what's the number one thing people leave Muffins, you with? hands down. Really? We sell more muffins than anything we sell at all. 
And what, what do you think that is? Just because it's you know people's go-to for breakfast kind of thing? It's a go-to for breakfast, but it's one of the first things they see when they walk in, and they're nice and big, and they're not little puny muffins. They're nice and, and full. I used, to, I used to hate working in the food service industry when they'd say, your muffins are too big. But like, tell that to the people who are buying them. Exactly. <laughs> I'll make them your size and nobody will ever want them. Exactly. All right, well, let everybody know your hours and, and when they can come down and visit you. We're open Tuesday through Saturday, 7 to 4, and we're open on Sundays, 8 to 1. Um, breakfast and brunch are served all day, every day. Um, we look forward to seeing everybody and come on in. They can follow you on social media? Yes, we have uh, Facebook, we have Instagram. Uh, leave a review on Yelp if you've been here. I would really appreciate that. And uh, the Find Me Gluten Free app as well. And we've been tagging Duke's Bakery uh, on Instagram and all of our Facebook and Instagram stories this morning. And you can see some of the beautiful meals that I've been able to try out. All right, we do have to take our next break. Chris, thanks for joining us and thanks for having us here. We always Thank love you, coming Tim. here. Thank you, Tim. I love it when you guys and come down. We, we're just missing one person today. The birthday yes, boy the birthday here. boy. But he's Happy listening. birthday, Marcus. Happy birthday, Marcus. I'm eating your birthday breakfast. All right, we'll be back in just a few moments as we are broadcasting live from Duke's Bakery in Fall River. Stay tuned. Now, here w we are broadcasting live from Duke's Bakery in Fall River. Don't forget, coming up at noon, we have a special Seize the Deal for you. But, you know, the, we've had a couple of nice days here, but the weather's starting to turn, and it's going to get a little chillier, and you might start to feel that draft coming in around some of your windows or some of your doorways. Well, reach out to the folks at Precision Window and Kitchen in New Bedford because they can get those taken care of for you quickly and they can get it done right. And unlike other places that say, well, bring us down the broken window and we'll repair it. Bring us down the broken screen, we'll patch it. At, at Precision, they're going to come to your house, they're going to pick up the piece that needs to be replaced, that needs to be fixed, bring it to their shop, do the job, bring it back, and reinstall it. They make sure that you get the, that level of service on every job, big or small. They've been doing it for over 35 years. They've got lots of experience with all of those small jobs, but also all of the big jobs as well. Maybe you want to completely redo your kitchen or your bath. You want to have a nice new look in your home for the upcoming spring and summer months. Well, they can help you with that. All you have to do to reach out to them is, well, you can stop on by at their showroom at 1111 at Cushion Avenue in New Bedford. You can call them at 508-990-3576 or visit them online at precisionwindowandkitchen.com. We're going to take another break here. We'll be back in just a few moments. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, barrels and boards, Route 138 in Raynham, because not only can you go into the restaurant and have a great meal, you can go into the marketplace and bring home some great food that you can make at home as well, whether it be doing it from scratch and getting the same great meats and seafoods that they use in the restaurant, or perhaps you want to get a pre-made meal. You can get those, bring them home, throw them in the oven. They have them in both individual and family sizes. They also have frozen pizzas in all their signature flavors. And don't forget, I always tell you, those Montelio's desserts in the glass case, you're going to want to take some of those home as well. Make that a little treat for yourself for taking the ride down to Barrels and Boards. Just take Route 140 down to the Taunton Green, go around, stay on 138 until you get to Barrels and Boards a few miles down the road, or you can get there right from 495. It's right off the highway. Check them out online at Barrels and Boards MA. That's Barrels, the letter N, Boards, M-A, 
com. All right, let's try to squeeze in one more call here uh, before we have to say goodbye. Good morning. You're next on WBSA. Yeah, good morning, Tim. You know, I know oh, you're yeah. talking about a gen identity, uh, but that's one's individual's private uh, choice and preference. You know, the United States is ranked 23rd in the quality of education, and we spend the most out of all the industrialized nations, and we're getting subpar quality of education. Uh, and, you know, the other thing is you're talking about these agendas that get pushed on the schools. You know, the teachers' union uh, pushes their own agenda when they have strikes, especially what happened in Worcester that's against state law. And uh, they, they say they're about taking care of the students and they appreciate the students, but they were unlawfully striking. And, uh, and the, the, the teachers' union uh, primarily funds the DNC to get Democrats elected. So there is agendas in the public school. We're failing our children. We're not teaching students to run their own business, to balance their own finances, to become plumbers, electricians, scientists, doctors, engineers. But we're pushing this gender identity, which one, is... One doesn't supersede the other, though. One doesn't well, supersede what I'm saying the is the main they point of emphasis is gender identity. When, uh, when we no, were failing our kids, 23rd, it ranked 23rd in the world, is, that right, is I gotta, unacceptable. i got to hold you there just because I'm out of time. Have a good day, and I'll talk to you next week. Uh, but, no, you can do two things at once. This is not an either-or situation. This isn't uh, you can either educate kids or you can deal with social issues that are going to be part of their lives as well. No, you can do both. I have to say goodbye, though. Thanks, everybody down here at Dukes for hosting us today. And get that SeizeTheDeal.com right now. Enjoy every WBSM and W258. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.